Welcome to Healing Place Church, where our mission is to be a healing place for a hurting world. Listen each week for updated content and be sure to share with your friends. We hope this podcast is a blessing and a resource to you as you pursue God daily. If you have your Bibles, turn to the Gospel of Matthew, Matthew chapter 28, Matthew chapter 28. We are in a series called Heart of the House. Come on, somebody say Heart of the House. How many of you appreciate the heartbeat that's in this house? We say we're not a perfect church, obviously, but hopefully our heart is after God. I just want to say thank you for being such a great representation of Healing Place in this community, in your workplace, in your neighborhoods, you know, at your uh, 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 gatherings, with your friends, with your family, uh, on the road as you're driving and stuck in traffic. Thank you for being such a great representation of Healing Place. And I think it's a, there's something to be said about an irresistible church. I think it's the spirit of God that, throw, that flows through ordinary people like us. And so in this series, Heart of the House, we, last week, if you were here last week, we talked about our vision. Remember, we talked about healing place, hurting world. This is kind of who we are. I don't know if you uh, remember, we opened up last week's message talking about how different people got plugged into the church. That was so fun. I had a guy text me last week. He said, good morning, pastor. I loved your message last weekend. Next time you talk about someone's story about coming to HPC. This is a for reals story. This is my story. He said, I was uh, with a buddy of mine and we were working out back in 1998. We were working out at the gym and my friend told me that there was a new church in town and this new church was filled with pretty girls. (laughs) Come on. You know, they call this the promised land, don't you? It's the land of milk and honeys. Come on, somebody. I'm just kidding. (laughs) Milk and honey. There you go. He said there was this new church. He was telling me about a new church with pretty girls and a late service. So I said, wait a minute. Let me get this straight. I can sleep late and then I can still check out all the fine girls. What's this church? Where is it? He said, I came the following Sunday and got saved at the first service. Love you guys. Thank you for all you do. Come on. Can I have a good amen? I do believe that the prettiest girls in town come to HPC. Come on. Can I get an amen, all the fellas? Come on, if you're saved, you're single, and you're searching, this is the place to be on Sunday. Come on. Vision. Last week, we talked about vision. Vision is what we want to see, healing place, hurting world. Today, I want to talk to you about our mission, our mission. If if vision is what you see, mission is what you do. Mission is how you accomplish the vision, the dream that God has put in your heart. In Matthew chapter 28, let me give you a quick context, and I'm going to read this real famous passage of verses. Jesus has just risen from the grave. He conquered death, hell, and the grave. And he makes appearances to some of his disciples and several hundred of his followers. After three years of ministry, now Jesus is preparing to leave them with this mission. It's interesting to me how Jesus would step out and then he would tell his disciples to step up. 
You know, there's something significant here. We're about to see a shift, a transfer, you know, if you will. Jesus had traveled. The study tells us that in Jesus' earthly ministry, in his three-year ministry here on earth, he traveled maybe 40 miles, a 40-mile radius, and, you know, which is a really small, you think about it, 40 miles from here to Lafayette, okay? That's about it. I mean, crossing the Atchafalaya, and that, that's about all Jesus traveled from village to village, town to town. Yet, this local gathering was about to stretch into a global movement. And, and I thank God for, for what we're about to read and, and the mission that God has given us as a church. He spoke to his disciples and a handful of believers in his final words. And I just believe that his last command should be our first priority. His final words here on earth and what he tells his disciples is simply this. Matthew 28, verse 18. Jesus came and he told his disciples this. He says, I've been given all authority. Somebody say all authority. Not just some, not a lot, but he says all, meaning complete. I have been given complete authority in heaven and on earth. Can I tell you, that's power. Jesus is basically saying here, nothing is impossible for me. Now, let me ask you this. If you were in Jesus' sandals, okay, what would you do with all authority? What would you do with all power in heaven and on earth? I mean, if that were me, I'd be going to hunt some Roman soldiers down. Come on, somebody. I'd be like, where's Pilate? He told me he had power to take my life. Uh Uh-uh, I'm fixing to show him who's boss. Anybody? Y'all don't look so religious out there. What, what would you do if you had that kind of power? I would hunt some Pharisees. Be like, okay, y'all were talking smack. Where's that mob? Oh, they celebrated me when I came into Jerusalem on Palm Sunday. Then they crucified me a week later. Come on, anybody? Aren't you glad that we're not Jesus? <laughs> Jesus said, all power and authority in heaven and on earth is given to me. I'm thinking, oh, Lord, this is going to be good. What you going to do? Oh, it's about to go down. Now, what's Jesus going to do with all of this power? And Jesus basically says, hey, I'm not going to do anything, but y'all are fixing to do something. Watch this. Verse 19. Therefore, somebody say therefore. Anytime you read the word therefore in the Bible, you need to know what it's there for. Transition. All power and authority is given to me. I'm making a transition. Therefore, I'm asking something of you. In fact, I'm not asking. I'm telling you. Therefore, go. Somebody say go. Notice the highlighted words in the next two verses. I did that for a reason. I want you to pay attention to the bold words in these verses because there's a lot of action here. Jesus said, all authority is given to me. Now, here's what I want from you. I want you to go and make disciples. Somebody say, make disciples. Make disciples of all nations. How are you going to do that? Baptizing. Somebody say, baptize. Baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. Then I want you to teach. Somebody say, teach. Teach these new disciples to obey. Can somebody say, obey? All the commands that I've given you, and be sure of this. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Can I have an amen for the reading of the word? 
Oh, this is so good. This is so good. I'm so glad a sinus infection couldn't keep me from church today. I couldn't wait to get here today to preach to you this message. This is so much power. And the final words of our Savior, before he ascends to heaven, he leaves the church with this final set of instructions. Notice all of the activity in those two verses. He says, go, make disciples, baptize them, teach them to obey. Last time I checked, those action words are called verbs. Am I right? Any English professors, majors, any, anybody have a good command of the English language? <laughs> I know we crazy Cajuns. How many of you, how many of you are just lucky to speak one language and barely understand that one? These verbs, that now if you do a study in the Greek of the Great Commission, this is what's known as the Great Commission. It's not the Great Suggestion. It's not the Great Option. It's not the Great Idea. It's called the Great Commission. This was the commission. Now we're talking about the mission of the church. Last week was our vision. This week is our mission. Jesus says, go, make disciples, baptize, teach and obey. Of all of those verbs in the Greek, the dominant verb is make disciples. That is the dominant verb. How do you make disciples? By going, by baptizing, by teaching, and by obeying. Are you with me? A little, little lesson, a little, little, little uh, linguistics in the scriptures, but here's where we get our marching orders as a church. This is our mission. And you know, as a church, a healing place specifically, we use three words and we say it very commonly. If you've been through Next Steps, you've heard us talk about this. If you've, if you've been involved or serving in any capacity, maybe you've seen a video or you've read some material, we talk about gather, grow, go. Gather, grow, go. This is where we, as a church, have formulated this mission. It's from the Great Commission. And we talk about gather, grow, and go. So if you're taking notes, I want you to write down the word gather. And next to that, write this down. Doing life with others. Can I tell you this? Discipleship does not happen in isolation. How many of you know you can't make disciples from a distance? You have to be up close. There's something about relationships. Jesus gathered 12 men. We call them the disciples, the apostles, but it was in close proximity. You have to be connected in order to grow in God. Can I have a good amen? If we're going to be followers of Jesus, we can't do it in isolation. In fact, let me say it this way. Proximity creates passion. You ever notice that what you're close to, you're fired up about? Man, if you're hanging out with people who love to go work out, man, guess what? You're, you're thinking about the gym. Man, you're taking protein. You're calling Chris on the phone saying, give me a workout plan. You know, your, your proximity creates passion. Whatever you're close to, you're fired up about. But watch this. Distance creates disinterest. Notice that if proximity creates passion, distance creates disinterest. And the enemy would love for you to distance yourself from the body of Christ. Come on. Now, I, I know you said, Mike, we don't have to gather. I had a guy tell me this the other day. Do we really need to gather? We have the internet. We can connect online. And I'm thankful for that. He shared with me this statistic. He said, Pastor, don't you realize that 40% of all married couples meet online? 
I said, well, yes, that's true. They meet online, but they don't stay online. How many know you can't hug that computer screen? You want to love and kiss and say I do to somebody that you're connected to. Can I have a better amen? What is it that we love most about the church? You know, what do you love most about Healing Place? How many loves our worship? Oh, man, it's fantastic. Oh, wow. We, you walk into this place, you just sense the spirit and the presence of God. We are blessed with incredible talent and anointing and men and women who go after God. They create these experiences. For I'm thankful for worship. I'm thankful for our kids' ministry. Some of you have kids, and they wake you up on Sunday morning, and they drag you out of bed, and they say, we got to get to church. I love our kids' ministry. I, I love the spirit of excellence that's in this place. Man, I, I love our facilities and campuses. There's a lot to love about the church. But you know my favorite thing about the church? is the people. It's you. I can't wait to get here. My favorite thing about the church is not when I stand on this platform. It's when I'm walking in the concourse. It's before and after service. It's getting a chance to say hello, to catch up. It's about being in close proximity. You know why? Because the gift inside of you helps me be a better version of myself. Are you with me today? Discipleship doesn't happen in isolation. I need what's in you. You make me better. Guess what? You need what's in me. Now, you don't need any kind of sinus infection or anything, but you, you need the spirit of God that's in me. And together, we become a better version of ourselves. You see, I may not be where I want to be, but thank God I'm not where I used to be. I learn from you. I'm inspired by you. I get better because of you. You challenge me. You hold me accountable. Listen, if you're not holding me accountable, you're holding me back. Come on now. You see, you need accountability in your life. You need encouragement in your life. Discipleship is all about life rubbing life. It's about coming together. And when you and I commit to gathering, then we're better together. Do you know this past week, your students, your high school kids, I want to take a moment to brag on the Healing Place youth. How many of you appreciate this upcoming generation? Come on, put your hands together. They had three days last week, and they just, I mean, rocked the house. They had worship services, man. They did fun games and activities. There was prayer, discipleship, so many great things. On Thursday, your kids joined me and my staff for a staff meeting, okay? A hundred of your teenagers came into my meeting. How many of you have business meetings at your office? How many of you would love to invite a hundred teenagers into that business meeting? Oh yeah, it's a game changer. It's a different dynamic. And in, in our staff meetings, we'll, we'll have a time of worship and a lot of times I'll do preaching, teaching, equipping, vision, talk about culture, it's a training. Uh, so we invited your kids to join our staff meeting this past Thursday. And I got a little video of, of what that experience was like. I want you to turn your attention to the screen and check out your kids in my staff meeting this past Thursday.
<laughs> Come on, put your hands together. What that awesome moment? Your kids were so inspiring that one of our staff had to just jump right in the mix. Man, I'm telling you, there's something contagious about what God is doing in this next generation. And I love the energy and the fire and the passion, but you, guess what? You can't have that moment when you're on the loneliest bayou in Louisiana. It's called Bayou Self. <laughs> that moment doesn't happen in isolation. Can I have a better amen? You see, when we're together, we can celebrate. Man, I can learn from you. Man, I can stretch, I can grow when we are together. Now, now, let me be quick to say, okay, I realize that there are certain people you need to connect with, and then there are some that you need to stay away from. How many know people are a lot like elevators? They can bring you up, and they can take you down. Come on, could I have a better amen? <laughs> my mom said there are four kinds of people in the world today. Those who add, those who subtract, those who multiply, and those who divide. And she'd say, son, you better find those who add and multiply the goodness of God in you, and you better be careful of those who subtract and divide. I get that. I, I, I get it. Remember when Jonah was on the boat and, man, he was trying to run away from God. A storm came and, man, everybody's about to drown. And what they do with Jonah? They threw him off the boat and then there was peace. Some of you got some Jonas in your life that you need to throw off the boat. Can I have a good amen? Man, you don't have any peace. You got nothing but chaos until you get rid of them, all right? Now, you got to know the difference between those who add and multiply and those who subtract and divide. But the truth is this. Discipleship doesn't happen in isolation. It takes relationship. Number one, that's why we gather. Somebody say gather. Number two, write down the word grow. Somebody say grow. Growing is about enlarging your capacity. God wants you to grow. In fact, let me say this, God expects growth. Do you know when we say yes to Jesus, that's the first and most important step. But can I tell you this, it's not the only step. When we come to faith and trust in Jesus Christ, you see the grace of God will meet you right where you are, but it never leaves you where it finds you. Come on, are you guys into this? Can you inform your face that you're into this? Y'all making me work hard today. Man, oh man. God expects growth. How many of you have asked God for some big things? Listen, if you don't, don't insult a big God with a small dream, okay? You better go big or go home. We serve a big God. But listen, God wants to enlarge you to get you ready for all the big things he has in store for you. You can't receive everything God wants to give you now, remaining who you are. You got to grow. You got to get bigger. Remember the time, I believe it was Mark chapter 11, when Jesus is in Jerusalem and the Bible says Jesus was hungry. And so he sees a fig tree. You remember this? The Bible says that this fig tree was in full leaf. I mean, this boisterous tree, full leaf, and he goes to the fig tree because he's hungry and he's expecting figs. But the scripture says when he got to the tree, all he saw was leaves. There was no fruit. What did he do to the tree? He cursed it, said, no, nah, nothing's ever going to grow from you again. Now, now, when I read that this week, I thought this, Lord, I don't want to be all leaf and no fruit. 
How many know somebody that may be all leaves and no fruit? All show, but no go. Come on, talk to me, talk to me. Oh, and it's easy to talk a good game, but it's not the words that we say, but it's the fruit that grows from our lives. Are you catching this? God expects growth. He wants us to grow. I tell my staff, I tell all of our pastors and ministry team leaders, I say, listen, if you want your campus to grow, if you want your ministry to grow, you have to grow yourself. All of you businessmen and women, if the best way to grow your business is to grow you. It starts with you. You know, I have to look at my own capacity and say, okay, well, Lord, if we're going to be a church of tens of thousands of people, then I, as the pastor, have to get bigger. I got to think bigger thoughts. I have to pray bigger prayers. God, you're going to have to stretch me. I can't just live in what I see. There's an unseen realm. Come on, somebody. And, and, and as your pastor, listen, I can't expect what I don't inspect. I can't expect something growing in you if it's not already active in me. Are you with me today? I can remember when we built this building, we finished this, this arena, the Healing Place Church Arena. We finished it back in 2010, March of 2010. And I'll never forget the first sermon I ever preached in this space. Listen, I was intimidated. The arena itself is 127,000 square feet. Big building. The seating capacity in the sanctuary, we can put 3,000 chairs in this space. And the very first time I walked in here and stood on this stage to preach in this arena, I felt so small. It was like, hello, 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 hello. Is anybody there? There, 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 there. If you have your Bibles, 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 Bibles. Turn with me, please, 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 please. Second, oh my goodness, I was scared out of my mind. <laughs> now, okay, fast forward to now. Here we are, 2021. This space up here to me is as natural as breathing, okay? I'm not intimidated to come here and preach on a Sunday anymore. This is my happy space. I can't wait to be here. You say, well, Mike, well, what happened? Well, listen, the building didn't shrink, I grew. The building's still 127,000 square feet. There's still 3,000 seats in the sanctuary. Guess what? The building didn't get smaller. I got bigger. Some of you thinking, man, I don't want to be standing on that stage. How many of you would not want to be me right now? <laughs> Do you know they say the number one fear that people have? It's the fear of public speaking. Did you notice that? Statistically, the, I thought, is that the number one fear? Really? The, num the number two fear, you know what it is? Death. <laughs> I'm like... You mean to tell me at a funeral, you'd, be rather, you'd rather be in the coffin than the one giving the eulogy? I don't understand that. But how many know God's got some big things for us and he wants to give it to us, but he's got to grow us to get us ready. Look at what it says in Psalm 92, verse 13. The Bible says this, those who are planted in the house of the Lord, they will flourish in the courts of our God. They will still bear fruit in their old age. Somebody say old age. Listen, I'm thankful for what God's doing in the students and the youth. Hey, that video, I, I got down in that mosh pit as they were all singing and jumping and bumping and dancing. I got in there. I felt like a teenager for about one minute. <laughs> and then my body started reminding me I'm not as young as I used to be. But I'm thankful God's, he's not just moving with the youth. He's moving in the older generation too. 
Look at what it says here. They will still bear fruit in old age and they will be fresh and flourishing. Come on, does anybody want to flourish? How many of you, you want to flourish in your life? You know what the Hebrew word for flourish there means? It means to be fat and full of sap. Those who are planted in the, in the house of the Lord will flourish. Come on, fat and full of sap in Jesus' name. That's setting some of you free today. I'm telling you. Some of you are like, yes, Lord, I just received it. <laughs> Where's the life of the tree? It's in the sap. Come on, somebody. And the Bible says if you're planted, you will flourish. How do you grow? You can't grow unless you're planted. Come on, are you with me? That's why the gathering is so important. Once I find good ground, I get planted in that soil and here comes fat and full of sap. Lord, I just want the life in me to just bless others around me. God, I want to flourish in Jesus' name. My prayer for you is that you would grow this year that you would flourish financially, that you would flourish uh, relationally, that you would flourish in your spirit. You know, Rachel and I, when we, when we were living in Prairieville, we built a house in Prairieville in Jefferson Crossing. And I remember we were one of the first houses in there and we, we lived kind of on the dead end. And when the house was built, it was a spec home, and then we, the house was built, they put this little twig in the front yard. Okay, it's like a little stick. Have you, seen, have you seen those new constructions and they do like the landscaping and then, man, here's this little, it's not even a tree. I'm like, babe, what's that stick doing in our front yard? It's like, oh, no, 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 baby, that's an oak tree. I was like, no, it's not. It's embarrassing. Get it out of there. Do you know our neighbors, our first couple Christmases there, they, they, they made fun of it. They kind of hung one little ornament from that stick. And they said, check out that little Charlie Brown Christmas tree right there. Wah, wah, wah. Do you know by the time that we moved, we lived in that house for 14 years. By the time that we moved, that little stick had changed. It wasn't just a little twig anymore. It was a giant oak tree. In fact, we had to cut limbs off of that tree because it was growing on top of the house. You see, what happened when the tree was first planted, they had it tied down and staked down. It needed a support system. But eventually, it didn't need a support system because it had developed a root system. Come on, are you with me? You see, when you gather, you need support. You start out with a support system. But when you get planted, then you develop roots. And your roots go down deep. Why is a root system important? I'm telling you why. Because storms are coming. Some of you are going to get some bad news. You're going to lose your job. Come on, your kid's going to go crazy. Some of your life is going to hit you right between the eyes. Maybe there's a diagnosis or you lose somebody important. And then what do you do when crisis hits? Well, a tree that has roots doesn't need to worry. You know why? Because it's anchored in something bigger than itself. Can I have a better amen today? What do I want you to grow in? Listen, I want you, when you gather, you got to commit. You got to get planted. Get planted in the house. But then when you grow, here's what I want you to grow in. I want you to grow in your experience with God. I want you to have encounters with God that will mark your life forever. Can I tell you this? Your intimacy with God will determine your capacity for God. 
Notice what we're saying here. Growth is all about you enlarging your capacity. And the more intimate we are with God, the more capacity we have for God. I want you to grow in your experience with God. I also want you to grow in your maturity and your understanding of his word. Oh man, please don't come to healing place and walk away feeling entertained. No, 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 no. You need to walk away feeling more grounded in the book right here. I got a better understanding of what God is saying and why he's telling me this. You know what? I want you to grow in the fruit of the spirit. Love, joy. How many of you need more love in your life? How many could use a little more joy? Only two people? Okay, I'll take yours then. (laughs) Peace. Come on. How many of you need some peace in Jesus' name? What about patience? Who needs to grow in patience? Oh, yeah, you do. As soon as I say amen and you're hitting that parking lot, I know. (laughs) We need more fruit of the Spirit. Somebody say gather. Somebody say grow. Somebody say go. Finally, number three, go. This is where we spread God's message. This is where when Jesus tells his disciples, go into all the world. Notice the command that he gave in the Great Commission. He says, I want you to take what you have in your gathering and through your growth, I want you to take that and I want you to spread it all over the world. Go, G-O, two-thirds of God's name, go. Some of you are like, what? G-O-D, two-thirds of God's name is go. Listen, the gospel, G-O-S-P-E-L. Man, how do you think Jesus, consider this, in three years of Jesus's ministry and maybe 40 square miles, again, from here to Lafayette, how did that little gathering of Christians become a global movement? Somebody had to go. I'm thankful for the go of the gospel. You know why? It's touched my life. You think, I mean, from Israel to Prairieville, come on, somebody. You kidding me? From Israel to Hushatu Road in Baton Rouge. Goodness, I'm so glad that somebody took the Great Commission seriously. If they wouldn't have, I'd be lost and dead in my sins. I would have no hope unless somebody said, oh, wait, this is such good news. We can't just keep it to ourselves. We've got to give it. We've got to share it. Jesus said, go into all the world. And my fear is, for too many years, too many decades, the church has been huddled up in its buildings, shouting to the world, you need to come be with us. Instead, Jesus shouted to the disciples, hey, you need to go get them. We got this coming and going thing mixed up. And I pray that Healing Place Church is a church that's on the move. Man, we're stepping. We're going places. There's some dark places that need the hope and the help of the Holy Spirit. And guess what? You and I are ambassadors of that. You know, we took this mission seriously when we started our church back in 1993. And do you know now, and I'm just seeing that, I'm looking at this one campus. Do you know Healing Place Church has 12 campuses? not just locally and regionally, but all over the world. Because somebody said, we got to take this thing seriously. We got to go. Who else needs what we have? So we thought about, we thought about Denham Springs, man. Who else needs this in Livingston Parish? 
We thought about that in Ascension. Who else needs this down in Ascension? Man, we're praying about New Orleans. Who needs this in Metairie, Kenner? Who needs this Midtown? Man, we, there's something special here, and it's a sin for us not to take it to those who need it. One of the campuses that we've, we've planted is in Honduras. You hear us talk about Honduras. In the mountains of north-central Honduras, Derek Smith, an amazing pastor, great team, in a village called El Naranjo, Los Mangas, El Naranjo, El Pital. Do you know a thousand people will gather today? And you know what they're going to hear? Gather, grow, go. You know what they're going to be challenged to do? The same thing that you and I, right here in Baton Rouge, right here at our campus, they're going to be hearing the same message. They got the same spirit. These are our brothers and sisters. Derek went down to La Ceiba, started feeding homeless people on the streets in La Ceiba, large community. Been doing that for almost a year. Looking for a building to base out of. There's got to be a, a facility that, 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 that we can launch out of because we're doing so much street ministry. So he sees this building in La Ceiba. said, it's perfect. It is in a perfect location. It's got everything they want. I mean, it's got a kitchen. It's got classrooms. It's got a gymnasium. He said, I got to find out who owns this building. Made some phone calls and found out that it was, it was privately owned by a rehabilitation hospital. And uh, so, do we know anybody? And surely somebody knows somebody to know somebody that could put in a good word for us. So he's trying to do all of his diligence up front, doesn't make any connections. He sets up a meeting and walks in cold and sets across the desk from a lady from the, 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 the rehab, uh, from the rehab group and says, hey, listen, you know, here, here's who we are. Here's what we want to do. And, you know, we're, uh, we're located up on the mountain, but we want to do this, this, and this. And, and here's why we want to do it. And she cuts him off. She stops him right in mid. He's making his pitch. This is a sales pitch. And she shuts him down. Says, hey, I, I don't need to hear anymore. I don't need to hear anymore. And he got a little nervous. He's like, oh, man, she's fixing to run me out of here. I mean, have I offended her? So I, I, I don't need to hear anymore. She said, I know who you are. So how do you know us? Do you have family that we've ministered to on the mountain? She said, no. She said, my uncle in the city of La Ceiba is homeless. And I was with my uncle one Friday night when I saw a sea of red shirts coming down the mountain, walking into this community. You gave him food. The, the spirit, you prayed for him. The love and acceptance that you gave my uncle, I was right there with him. I know what you guys do. I know who you are. You don't even need to say another word. Can I tell you this? Jesus said, when you go, I will be with you always. He's guaranteed us his presence. The church that's committed to gather, grow, and go will always be a church guaranteed of the presence of Jesus Christ. Can I have a good amen? Do you receive that today? Thank you for listening. Take a moment and subscribe so you can become a part of the community here and stay up to date with what is happening at Healing Place Church. For more information about HPC, visit HealingPlaceChurch.org.